0: So take a family who says, actually, we're okay with sleepovers and I don't Uh want to limit my kids. That's fine. Then let's equip them, equip them to know how to get out of uncomfortable. And I actually like the word uncomfortable because if you make them think black and white, that this is dangerous or not dangerous, Mm -hmm. and it is gray. And a lot of uncomfortable situations are gray, right? Your spidey senses are up. Something's telling you this feels (laughs) awkward or uncomfortable, but you can't point to something wrong or you can't call it sinful but if i give my kids permission to feel uncomfortable and say go to somebody and talk about it or remove yourself and here's 20 different ways you can remove yourself without feeling embarrassed i'm equipping i'm equipping i'm equipping and they are going to have more success wherever they're at they're going to take those same skills and apply them in a job or apply them at
1: school welcome to ask alice a podcast that explores the issues and challenges teenagers face on a daily basis. Hosted by Alice Chernock, a licensed professional counselor in Birmingham, Alabama. Ask Alice is part of the Rooted family of podcasts, which also includes the Rooted Conference podcast, the Rooted Parent podcast, the Rooted Youth Ministry podcast, and Thanos to Theos. Rooted is a ministry that is focused on advancing grace-filled, gospel-centered, Bible-saturated youth ministry. To learn more, visit RootedMinistry.com. Here's your host, Alice Chernock. Good
2: morning, my friends. Welcome back to another episode of Ask Alice. Y'all, let me just start by telling you that the stellar list of interviews is just gonna keep on coming. Y'all, I'm so pumped about our guest today. Today we have on the show, Julie Lowe. And I don't know if y'all know Julie Lowe, but you need to know Julie Lowe because she's like the woman extraordinaire. She is the mom of five kids, foster kids, adopted mom. Not only that, she's an LPC, a licensed professional counselor. She's a registered play therapist and she's a fantastic author of several really, really good books, Childproof, Building Bridges. And her newest book that I'd love for us to talk about today is called Safeguard. Um, It's Safeguard's Shielding Our Homes and Equipping Our Kids. So I am so excited to sit down with Julie. Thank you so much for being here. Thank you for having me. I just really want to kind of dive right in and Go on and start talking about some of the things that you approach in your book, Safeguards. So let me just start by asking you, what was the what was the motivation for you in writing this book?
0: Yeah, it's it's always twofold when I write books like this. It's it's one probably born out of the counseling I do, out of families and churches, actually. You know, I consult with a lot of churches where abuses happen and they always talk about preventative measures. What are preventative measures a church could take? And I say, equip parents, equip yeah. the family to know how to help children, how to talk to children about things that are dangerous. Um, and it all starts in the home. So if we're not doing it in the home, yes, organizations could do wonderful things, but it has to be, it has to be a discipleship issue. It has to be in the family. And then I'm a parent too. And so yeah. I've, I've wrestled with how do I talk to my own kids about these things? Yeah. How do I keep talking about it? How do I equip them? Well,
2: well, and I love the premise of safeguards because to me in the book, your, your whole overarching theme is to be proactive and not reactive. And I love that uh, professionally. I love that personally. I love that it's something that I kind of preach over and over again. And I think as parents, it's really easy for us to be like, uh, it's not a problem. It's not a problem. I'm not going to address it until it's a problem. Right. And by the time we get there, it's too late. And so yeah. I love that you're really taking this proactive approach in your book and, and talking about so many tons of different issues on, you know, parenting for sure, but just teaching kids basic safety skills on who to listen to and how to, how to discern between um, people who are safe and not safe people. I, I love that about that. I think too, um, and I'm, I know I'm kind of shamelessly plugging your book, but I really do appreciate that because I think as a therapist, we get a whole lot of theoretical knowledge mm-hmm. and big picture ideas. And I love safeguards because you really honed in on some very practical skills that we can, uh, how we can role play with our kids and talk to them about that or this, you know? And so I appreciate that you brought it, like, let's be real. Like, you brought it down to earth,
0: which is awesome. So good. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it's really important to be street level. I mean, what good are the principles if I'm not helping them apply them into a multitude of situations? So I can't possibly, I guess I could have tried to write about every single danger out there, every single (laughs) issue out there. Right. But the the real goal of the book was to build principles for here's how you talk about a lot of different stuff. And if yeah. you become really good at talking about these things and brainstorming and equipping and, and practicing, then you can apply it to a multitude of situations yeah. that I didn't even think to bring up in the book.
2: Totally agree. I totally agree with you. So let me ask you this. You, you talk about how parents need to address and respond to different safety issues and i like how you try to balance the the realism and the faith aspect can you go into that a little bit more help us understand what what does that balance of of you know being real like okay the world is is a fallen broken place that's real but then also incorporating your faith into that will you dive into that for us
0: Yeah. I mean, the book is a a book on safety skills, but really knowing good from evil and right and wrong is primary. And then the safety skills are secondary. It's a fruit of walking with God and knowing what is morally right right, and morally wrong. So our kids, um, they're unsafe from the dangers around them in the world, but they're also unsafe from their own hearts and from the own temptations. I mean, I can, my kids can struggle with being the bully or they can struggle with being bullied. They can struggle with the temptation of drugs and alcohol, or they can struggle internally uh, with being the one who does those things. So safety skills is about knowing our own hearts, about um, knowing God and his ways. And the more we know that, the more discerning we become. So you have people that talk about safety skills out there. You have people that talk about Christian living, Um, we, we forget that safety skills really is discernment. We're learning Mm -hmm. to discern people and behaviors. We're learning Mm -hmm. to discern what is right or what is morally ambiguous, Mm -hmm. um, and so it's so important that really there's a biblical worldview attached to this because it helps us to know the difference between what's right and wrong.
2: Mm-hmm. Well, and I think if you if you detach the biblical view from it, it becomes no different from any other thing in the world. And I think that, you know, right. as believers, we are we are called to to be in the world but not be of the world. And so right. really letting our kids see, okay, you know, Bud, you're in the world, but you don't have to be of the world you don't have to partake in that
0: right and the world is becoming so unprecedented that we're calling good evil and evil good right yeah. And so yeah there is, somebody's going to call the thing before you evil or good and whose voice wins really matters there
2: yeah i agree and and yeah i'm i totally agree and i think you're right just how gray the world is becoming you know and it is very it's a confusing place. And I think, as parents, if we're not having these conversations with our kids, somebody else is right <laughs> they exactly. they're they're going to be exposed to this. And so it's you know, either we do it or somebody else is going to do it. And you know, right as parents, we I say all the time, the first tracks are the deepest. And yep. if we can be the ones as parents to lay the first tracks on our kids or for our kids on, you know, what we believe, what scripture says, what the Lord teaches, if we can be the ones to lay the first tracks, then everything else comes on top of it. And it's not nearly as deep, but somebody else, if we don't, somebody else is gonna lay the first track.
0: Yeah, and you said this earlier, but I I often say it's far better to be proactive than reactive. It's far better to shape the way a child thinks about a subject than to try to go back and debunk an inaccurate view. And when it comes to safety skills, the risks are so much higher.
2: So much higher. I agree. You talk about so many different areas in your book, but there's one in particular that I would love for us to just kind of hone in on. And that is the idea of, well, first, I love how you approach sleepovers, because I don't think that very many people talk about sleepovers. But I want to kind of piggyback the sleepover part with Talking about sexual abuse and how to talk to our kids and how to be discerning
0: for our kids. So, can we
2: can we backtrack a little bit to my first part of, what are your thoughts on sleepovers?
0: Yeah, and this is highly debated, right? So right yep. away somebody's mm-hmm. going to disagree with me, and that's totally okay. Actually, yeah. I think in in everything I say in the book, I don't want to approach things out of a fear model. Um, I want to approach it realistically, and you know, as a counselor, I'll speak from a professional standpoint, I hear far too many situations of molestation and abuse that happen from sleepovers. Um, Even families you trust, especially families you trust because those are the people you relax it with. And it's not, um, yeah, you have child on child issues. You have, um, you have uh, older siblings whose friends come over and they're the ones that abuse. So it's not, you just have this variety of things that we've seen. My goal with sleepovers is to say, be wise. And there is the argument that there's relatively more danger in sleepovers these days than there are in the positives in it. Mm-hmm. Um, and so people are all nothing. They say, we don't allow sleepovers. We don't allow sleepover, people, kids to sleep over at our home. We don't allow uh, our kids to go out to other people's home. We are one of those families where just early on, we decided, you know what, as a general rule, we won't do sleepovers. Why? Uh-huh. Because we do believe there's a lot more risk than there is benefit. Mm-hmm. We'll let our kids stay as late as we can when a, another child's having a slumber party and then we'll come pick them uh-huh. up. We'll, uh-huh. we'll do things to make it as convenient as possible, but there are times where there are exceptions. And so yeah. I, don't, I don't make it a rule that can never be crossed. We say there are times actually it makes perfect sense that we're gonna be away for a weekend. Our kids need to go somewhere. Um, And if I think just never letting them into another person's home is the answer, that's not helpful. I need to equip them to know Mm -hmm. I need to provide the safeguard. I need to know to whatever degree I can know that I'm putting them in a safe situation. There's a reason Mm -hmm. this makes sense. It's okay to spend the night. Here's the precautions. Here's the conversation I have with my kids about what they should do if they're uncomfortable with anything. I'm equipping, which is really the key of the book. I want to safeguard and I want to equip, I want to equip them to go out into the world to know what to do. Should they be uncomfortable? Should they mm-hmm. face peril or mm-hmm. dangers? Um, and I also, we have a home of ministry. So I want to invite people in and I can uh, much more confidently make sure my kids are safe. If somebody's spending the night here, then I can guarantee all the multitude of factors should they go over to somebody's house. Right. So, you know, people have very different opinions about that. And I'm just talking it out and say, well, let's think through the options and why equipping your kids, why exceptions can and will at times make sense to be made. Yeah. But why you can also say, yeah, I don't feel safe allowing this.
2: Mm-hmm. Well, and I I always appreciate having a dialogue with my kids, yeah. you know, and I think that that's where I think a lot of times we as parents can get into the yes, no my way or the highway, you know, that kind of thing. And I think that being able to engage our kids on this conversation of, Hey, have you thought about this? Have you thought that, Hey, I just need you to know that unfortunately this is a, you know, abuse is a thing. And if you ever feel uncomfortable, this is where we're going to do. And, and, you know, for our kids, we have, we have said, there are occasions where we allow people to come and sleep over at our house or we let our kids go sleep over for us. We have said, and we'll have a conversation with other parents that, Hey, I'm not comfortable with my kids sharing a bed with another kid. That's just kind of where we are. You know, that's our personal thing. And so, you know, I'll even blame it on myself and say, I know I'm the weird mom, but Mm -hmm. you're going to be bringing your sleeping bag. And you know, yeah, I I don't feel comfortable with that. I feel like there are too many dangers out there. Or we've talked about our kids. Okay, if you're not comfortable, I need you to go to the bathroom, call me. I'm mm-hmm. on my way. You know, and having these escape routes that yes. are already built in. Yeah. Is that kind of what you mean?
0: Exactly. So about? yeah. So take a family who says, actually we're okay with sleepovers and I don't uh-huh. want to limit my kids that's fine. Then let's talk about equip them, equip them to have, uh, to be willing to have uncomfortable situations to know how to get out of uncomfortable. And I actually like the word uncomfortable because kids, if you make them think black and white, that this is dangerous or not dangerous Mm -hmm. and it is gray and a lot of uncomfortable situations are gray, right? Your spidey senses are up. Something's telling you this feels (laughs) awkward or uncomfortable, but you can't point to something wrong or you can't call it sinful Um, And so kids need to know, pay attention to what makes you uncomfortable and then evaluate. And at the end of it, you might say, well, I was just uncomfortable because this person was a little socially awkward. Mm -hmm. Or they say, I'm uncomfortable because what they did was inappropriate. But if I give my kids permission to feel uncomfortable and say, go to somebody and talk about it or remove yourself. And here's 20 different ways you can remove yourself without feeling embarrassed all I'm equipping, I'm equipping, I'm equipping, and they are going to have more success wherever they're at. They're going to take those same skills and apply them in a job or apply them at school. Absolutely. So that's why, that's why it's so important to have a conversation. Agreed. So tell me this, I, I know in, in the
2: book, you kind of touch on this too, but how would you encourage or teach a child to know between safe and unsafe
1: our greatest goal and hope as parents is to raise our kids to lifelong faith in Christ. This is no easy calling. Rooted's goal is the same, so we created a family discipleship curriculum you can use in a small group, Bible study, Sunday school, or for your church's entire family ministry. We have eight video courses with inductive Bible study curriculum led by pastors, counselors, teachers, and parents, including Colin Hansen, David Zoll, Peter Ong, and Cameron Cole. Course topics include Gospel 101, talking to your kids about sex, parenting teenagers and parenting young children, and much, much more. Click the link in our show notes from today's episode to sample three free videos or visit RootedMinistry.com to sign up today.
2: How would you encourage or teach a child to know between safe and unsafe people? Um, mm-hmm. because I think that there are definitely some markers and I would love for you to just kind of speak to that. What do you yeah. tell
0: your kids? Yeah. Um, and my kids are, are getting older now, so they'll tease me about stranger danger. Cause they know I say stranger danger is a myth. Yeah. Stranger. But here's what I say. I say, strangers aren't dangerous. Dangerous people are dangerous. Mm, now, how do you know? And, and dangerous people can be people, you know, or it can be people you don't know. So yeah. how do you figure that out? so you know stranger danger model is say strangers are always dangerous people you know are always safe and we know that that's just absolutely false and that 90 percent of the time a child's abused by somebody they know or they're tempted by their friends and their peers to do inappropriate things so what makes somebody dangerous it's their behavior their words their choices So I'm not teaching my Mm. kids to evaluate character because people, deceptive people hide their true motives. They hide their Mm. character. Mm. I'm teaching them to evaluate behavior. And that's Mm. that's a hugely helpful and key principle that if I teach my children God's ways and what is right and wrong, Then they can go into any situation and look at a person, whether it's somebody they know and trust or somebody they don't know at all, and they'll evaluate their behavior. Yes. And Uh it's not going to be outward appearance. You ask almost any child who a dangerous person is, they'll immediately describe somebody who's smells, who's hairy, who doesn't have teeth, Mm -hmm. who's a scary looking person, right? Right, right. I want our kids to learn, guys, evaluate what they're saying and doing. What is it that is uncomfortable and wrong? So teaching kids to evaluate behavior and Mm -hmm. words, not evaluate character, will help them know a person's character better. I
2: think so, too. And, uh, you know, I tell when I'm working with parents, and I've said this before on the podcast, but I, I encourage parents to utilize sort of a marker system of, you know, if they're trying to decide to let their child, you know, do something or, you know, go somewhere or something like that, I'll ask parents, okay, is it permanent? Is it dangerous? Is it immoral? Or is it illegal? And I've taught my kids those, those kind of criteria too. And I think that that's what you're, you're kind of lending itself to. But I think after talking to you, I would, I'm, I'm inspired to include in there uncomfortable, you know? Mm -hmm. So permanent, dangerous, immoral, illegal, or just uncomfortable. And I think that's a really good,
0: additive that i hadn't thought yeah well and in some of the secular literature you hear people say kids should never be forced to do anything that makes them uncomfortable especially when it comes to affection Mm -hmm. and um i say i you know i'm a little uncomfortable with that why because all day long i'm actually am asking my kids to do things that make them uncomfortable uh serve your brother be kind love go brush your teeth like yeah the the standard can't be if it's uncomfortable, it's wrong. The standard, mm-hmm. though, is if it's uncomfortable, stop and evaluate. Yeah, so what am good. I doing? I'm teaching kids to to think. I'm teaching them to discern. I'm teaching them to be wise. And so much of life does start off in the gray area and it's a slippery Mm -hmm. slope before they know it. And you see this with kids who are being groomed before they know it, the slippery slope has happened. Mm -hmm. But if I'm teaching them to look at the uncomfortable, to be okay, noticing it and stopping and evaluating it, they're going to end up wiser and more discerning at the Mm
2: -hmm.
0: end. And I think wise is such the perfect word for that. That's what we're after is Mm -hmm. wisdom, wisdom
2: Mm -hmm. of the heart. You know, I think you're so right. I mean, even like the whole stranger danger thing. I think back when my kids were young, they would take karate class or taekwondo or something like that. And I have this vivid memory of the the dojo taking my child as a like practice and his job was to say stranger danger, stranger danger. And like, that's all they did in karate class. And so yeah. I have this image of that, but you're so right. And in, in not just st- just immediately stigmatizing a person as, oh, stranger danger, but then really taking that so much deeper and cultivating the conversation and the heart and the growth and the wisdom underneath that. I love that. All right. We're going to talk about warning signs. What are some of the warning signs that you would encourage parents to teach their kids to look for
0: when it comes to maybe an unsafe or unhealthy person? Mm-hmm. Yeah, there's lots of of grooming tips, things like that. But I'm going to backtrack to a principle that I, I think is more helpful, too. And that is, uh, we, especially with our own children, always said, if somebody tells you the right thing to do, you should always do it no matter who it is. And we would often say this because, you know, siblings would tell each other the right thing to do and they wouldn't listen to each other or a friend. Uh And so we would say, listen, honey, if your brother tells you the right thing to do, it doesn't matter if he's not us or an adult. If it's the right Mm -hmm. thing to do, you should always listen. So whether it's a sibling, a parent, a teacher, a babysitter, Mm -hmm. the family dog or a two year old, (laughs) if they're telling you the right thing to do, you should always listen. What are we equipping them with? Um, knowing if something's good and right, it doesn't matter who's telling you, you should do the good and right thing. Mm. Likewise, and this is what's really important. Likewise, if somebody ever tells you the wrong thing to do, you never have to listen and we don't care who it is. We mm-hmm. will support you. That could be a teacher, a coach, right. a babysitter, your grandparents, an aunt or uncle, Um, It could be a friend. It could be your sibling. If it's the wrong thing to do, you never have to listen. And what's so key, we will support you. Yes. Um, And that's so important because, again, this is teaching them to distinguish right from wrong, good from mm-hmm. evil. We're, mm-hmm. we're equipping our kids with discernment and wisdom. That's far better than saying, if a person does this, if a person does this, if a person does this, though we have to act it out. We have to give examples. We mm-hmm. have to role play with them. But here's the thing, they learn to be thinkers. Again, it, the evaluation skills is what I want my kids to learn. So then I go on and I'll say, all right, what could be an example? with a?" And I give this example in the, the book about babysitters. What's mm-hmm. something good and right a babysitter might tell you to do? Brush mm-hmm. my teeth, go take a shower, clean up, whatever. What could be something wrong a babysitter would tell you to do? And you know, if I'm raising them well, they're going to say things which they say to me like, well, my babysitter wouldn't tell me to do anything bad. Like, <laughs> right. That's exactly what I hope. That's but... why they're still your babysitter. <laughs> right, exactly. But if they did, what might be something a babysitter would have you to do? And they'd come up with things like, well, maybe they let me stay up an hour late and tell mm. me not to tell you. Or maybe they give me an extra dessert and tell me to lie. Yeah, great. Those are probably reasonable things. What else? And I go from the very practical, well, maybe they let you do something I said you're not allowed to do, to the silly and ridiculous, maybe they make you go running down the street clucking like a chicken, and I get them laughing, (laughs) to the things they would never think of. Maybe they ask you to take their clothes off and watch you Mm -hmm. take a shower, or maybe they go into the bathroom while you're taking a shower. Now, what I've done is I've laid the possibility out there for them. Mm. And kids that grow up in a safe home are going to think that will never happen, But what I've modeled is the possibility. And if it does, you never have to listen and we will Mm -hmm. support you. So this role playing becomes so important here because as parents, I spend most of my time teaching my children to obey, right? Um, I'm not teaching them to disobey. They tend to be quite skilled at doing that on their own. But here's where (laughs) teaching them to defy authority Teaching them to defy authority is so important when authority is saying something wrong or immoral or dangerous. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So part of discipling my kids and parenting my kids is actually teaching them when it's appropriate to take a stand and to defy authority.
2: Yes, I totally agree. I, I think it's such a hard balance between, you know, being wise and being fearful, And I think of, you know, my, uh, my dad, my dad was a pastor, he was a counselor for years and years. And I remember him using this analogy of uh, buckling a child in a, in, in a seatbelt in, in a car. And if you are going to go in the car, it's just, it's wise to buckle your child in a, in a seatbelt, you know, in their, in their car seat, you would do that because that's a wise move. That's a safe move to do. What's not okay is saying, I'm just not going to go anywhere. I'm not going to ever leave the house and put my kid in the car because something could happen, you know? And so I think that that's what I appreciate that you're saying is that, you know, we're, we're teaching our kids to buckle their seatbelts. We're not saying don't ever go anywhere, you know? And so I like right. that.
0: Right. And I think it's, it's incredibly harmful to, to, teach kids to never go anywhere i think mm-hmm. you're limiting them you're you're actually um, creating the very danger you're seeking to prevent in their lives by raising fearful kids and talking about these things don't make kids fearful talking about them make them makes them confident and competent yes. now yes, how we talk I totally agree how, how we talk about that's really really important because i think parents do talk to kids about things in ways that can make kids afraid But if I'm calm, and if I'm natural, and I don't act afraid, and I just say these things exist in the world, and it's good to know what to do, should anybody approach you or should anybody make you uncomfortable, it's so important to have that kind of open conversation and equip them so that they might, you know, again, a a safe child will probably never believe those things will really happen, but they'll be equipped should they Mm -hmm. ever
2: happen. Absolutely. It's so empowering a child. You know, I think that a lot of times I hear parents who are fearful of planting ideas into a kid's head. And so they don't want to have these conversations because they're afraid that they're going to make them afraid of something that they weren't previously afraid of. But I agree with you that what we're doing is actually encouraging and empowering our kids to be able to go out into the world, you know, and, and truly further the kingdom because they can confidently say, this is what I know. And, and I have a landing page when it comes to my parents and they're going to get my back. If,
0: if something goes wrong, you know? Yeah. 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 And you take things like drugs and alcohol and things that kids will experience eventually. If, if they feel like their parents don't believe these things happen, or have never talked to them, they won't come to you. Um, But the flip side is if, my kids go to school and somebody offers them pot or offers them a uh, vaping, they won't hesitate to come home and say, you don't ever guess what happened to me today because yeah. they already know mom and dad talk about this all the time. It's not going to shock right. them. They're not going to be right. surprised by it. So you're building bridges with your kids by doing that as well. Yeah, I totally agree. Okay. Would
2: you, you, would you pull in the, the God piece here? Because I think that, that is, I mean, it's ultimately where we want to land. But, you know, I think that you've done such a stellar job of talking about the parent relationship and that kind of dialogue that we can engage our kids in. How do you help your child build their relationship with God when it comes to these kinds of truths?
0: Yeah, well, again, uh, the biblical foundation is I'm, I'm giving them a worldview that says God has something to say about life and God acknowledges there are deceptive people. And here's what, how deceptive people act, which means we've got to know scripture, Proverbs and Psalms. There are a multitude of passages about deceptive people um, they say one thing with their mouth while evil is in their hearts, right? And so to be able to say, where where do you see that at school? Do you ever see that with your peer group? Do you always see they act one way in front of teachers and another way in front of their friends? So I'm modeling, hey, here, you actually are absorbing this already in Mm -hmm. your life. And then it can grow to adults or to other people. So when I start with a foundation that God has something to say about life and relationships and wisdom and discernment and safety, Um, and then he also says, ultimately he's our safety. So guys, Mm -hmm. you don't have to go out and be afraid people are going to hurt you. You trust that God is your, your refuge. He is a very present help in trouble and you might see trouble. Trouble might approach you, but we want you to know how to handle it. That God is in control and is with you and that you now have the wisdom and the skills to know what to do. Should you ever be there? Um, so ultimately our safety rests in the hands of God, but we're also called to equip our children to know how to navigate an unsafe world.
2: How speak, speak a word of comfort to the parents out there who feel like they missed it. They missed Mm -hmm. the boat and that their kids did have to experience and endure some kind of unsafe experience. Would you speak to that?
0: Yeah. Yeah. Well. A couple of things I would say to that. One is it's never too late. Right. And oftentimes it's it's hard situations that serve as the education too. And, you know, I've, I've equipped my kids, I've role played with my kids and my kids have come back to me with situations that have happened to them that I wouldn't have been able to predict. And I was able to say, great, let's talk through that. Yeah. So. And parents, just because something does happen to your kids doesn't mean you failed them either. Maybe, maybe you didn't equip them. Maybe they didn't know what to do. Maybe it would have happened regardless. And that's why the book Safeguards, the title is helpful because I can't always guarantee bad things won't enter my child's life, nor is it my job to. It's my job to equip them. The Lord is the one who decides what he allows in and out of our lives at But if he is going to allow hard things in my child's life, I want to know they have all the tools and resources to know what to do with it. Um, So even if you did everything right, it wouldn't guarantee our children aren't going to face hard things. So whether you've done this or not, it's never too late to start. It's never too late to help have those conversations going.
2: Well, and how cool is it that we worship a God who who will give us the grace to handle whatever situation he calls us to endure. And that is such a comfort that we're not walking into that, you know, if, if we do have to go through, or if our kids have to go through hardship, bullying, you know, abuse, whatever it is that the Lord is right there and he is going to give us the grace to handle that situation. And there's so much, uh, there can be so much peace. That, that, you know, I go back to when, you know, when, when the Holy Spirit came down and he said, you know, I give you peace, I give you, you have not been given a spirit of fear, but of a sound mind. And I think that that's the, the temptation as a parent that we often fall into is parenting out of fear and mm-hmm. not parenting out of empowerment. And I think that that's you know the beauty of the gospel of this is that you know the Lord is saying, "Hey, I want to empower you. I know that there's evil out there, but I've overcome it. I, I'm, right. I'm, we're past that. So here's how we're gonna
0: keep moving." Right, and we don't often talk about the Spirit of God at, at work in our children. That the Spirit is there to lead and guide. Um, and wow, that that provides so much comfort when uh, we are fearful and afraid. Yeah. Agreed. Agreed. Well, Julie,
2: you knocked this book out of the park. I am, I'm so impressed. Y'all, you need to go and and order this book now. I think it needs to be on everybody's shelf. Um, I I just am grateful for your time and the thoughts that you, the energy that you put into writing this book and really, you know, taking everything that you have experienced professionally and personally and really, you know, concisely putting it into your words so thank you thank you so much
0: for doing that my pleasure thank you for having me
2: yeah thank you so much for joining us y'all join us again next time for another episode of ask alice
1: we hope you enjoyed this episode of ask alice with alice Chernock. if you found this podcast helpful or encouraging we'd appreciate your help in bringing this grace-filled gospel-centered, Bible-saturated content to others who might also benefit. Help us serve others by sharing this resource on social media, by leaving five-star feedback, or simply by subscribing wherever you listen to your podcasts. For more grace-filled, gospel-centered, Bible-saturated resources, be sure to visit www.rootedministry.com. As always, special thanks to High Street Hymns for the music on this podcast. This podcast is made available to you by the Rooted Ministry for educational purposes only, not to provide specific therapeutic advice. The views expressed are the personal perspectives of the author and do not represent the views of all counselors or of the counseling profession. This podcast does not create a counselor-client relationship and should not be used as a substitute for competent therapeutic counsel from a licensed professional in your state.